Can you guys imagine a hot sex scene with him under the cloak and you not knowing anything besides, you know, his hands and other things? I'm intrigued, yeah. I, right? Yeah. I kind of wanted a scene Sign me like up that. For that. Is this a, is this a um, <laughs> Beast of Bell Terror fan fiction that we're writing on this podcast? <laughs> well, you know I write them now. <laughs> <laughs> Cancel me out. I'll just exit. <laughs> Romancing the monster is no longer a host. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Romancing the Monsters. I'm M. Hi, I'm S. Hey, I'm Seth. I'm try- I was trying to like alternate. I was going to be like, howdy, I'm Seth, but then oh I was god, like, never no. mind. <laughs> Don't do howdy. Fine. Um, and this week we have a special seasonal themed uh episode because this is our last episode before christmas um and so we read a christmas novella this historical romance christmas novella i should say um called the black beast of belter by mary jo putney seth what is this book about i just like i don't know i don't know why i feel so out of it but anyways <laughs> Because it's been so, two weeks, that's why. We haven't recorded in two weeks. I know. Such a travesty. I felt like I haven't talked to you girls in eons. It felt like decades had passed, and I yeah, haven't longer. talked to you girls. Okay. Anyways, so the story starts off with um, the male of the story reflecting on his childhood and how everyone... Um, <laughs> what? The male of the story? Oh, my gosh. The hero <laughs> of the story. Is that better? Yes. We start off with the hero of the story lamenting about his childhood and how everyone reacted to his, like, his ugliness um, and, like, how his own father couldn't bear to look at him and, um, yeah, anyways, and then it decides to go to the present and um, we find out that he had given a loan to the girl Ariel, that's our heroine, her father, um, to fix up his estate but clearly wasn't used in the right way um so he owes the main guy his name's falconer he goes by falconer but his name's james um the father owes him ten thousand pounds which obviously is a lot of money um and he doesn't have the means to pay him (laughs) (laughs) i mean it still is but you know ten thousand pounds is a lot well yeah but back then it was like a million dollars it was like oh yeah yeah, yeah. you couldn't repay that (laughs) no of course um, and then we get our first, it was basically love at first sight. Our man Falconer had seen Ariel drawing under a tree and he was like remarking upon her beauty and like how perfect she looked. And obviously we know that he doesn't see himself as anything beautiful. Um, he covers himself with a big ass cloak and like, I'm just literally picturing like a black cloak walking around all of London wouldn't that be um, weird? <laughs> like, yeah. That would be weird. Actually, he didn't live in London. He lived in the countryside, yeah. but still. 
Um, yeah, anyways, so months passed. I think it was about three months passed. And then at first he gives the dad some leeway. He's like, okay, I'm going to come back in the next season. And then you can give me. He has a reason why. He does it mostly for the girl, but not yes, for the Yes, exactly. Yeah, he does it for the girl he sees. He realizes that's the man's daughter. And he decides to give them three months um, because he doesn't want to see Ariel, obviously, like, living off the streets or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Three months pass, he comes back, and then he overhears a conversation between Ariel and her father. And her father was going to pass her up to an old man. Like, apparently he was an awful villainous lord that she would have to marry in order for her father to have enough money to pay off Falcon and all his other debts. Um... She refuses. Um, she gets slapped. And our man, James, which is Falconer, he over he overhears it and sees it. And then he comes to, the, like, I guess the realization that he needs to save her. Well, he felt like he needed to be her savior. And he offers his hand instead, and then he would uh, erase the debt. Um, so basically, it's a marriage of convenience. They do get married, and basically the story starts from there. So... First of all, I feel like we should probably preface this by saying that I thought it was, I thought Christmas was going to have a much bigger role in this book than it did. I did too. (laughs) It's like one scene at the end. (laughs) Yeah, it was like one little scene. But like you look at the cover and there's like, I don't know, it looks Christmassy and stuff. Yeah, it does. And looks snowy, but they spent majority of winter apart. Yeah, and like in the author's note, I don't know because I I did the audiobook and like the book yeah opens with the author's note, and like she says, oh, it's like a Christmas miracle. Like the book itself is like a Christmas miracle, whatever. So I was like, where where the heck is Christmas in Christmas in this book? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, what did you guys think of this book? It was cute. It was sweet. I mean, yeah, it was cute. Yeah. I wish it was a a bit longer to kind of get more like attached to the characters. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I feel like there was like that an much endearing, a... short, yeah. sweet story. You know, like a do you guys this is one of my questions. Do you guys usually read Christmassy books around Christmas times? Like Christmas time? Like are you no. Sometimes. No, I'm not a seasonal reader. I don't read per season. The only book I remember reading around Christmas time was uh, Wallflower Christmas by Lisa Claypass because amazing book. I discovered Lisa Claypass around the winter time, and I was like, yeah. okay, I have to read this around yeah. Christmas time. So um, that's the only book I think I've read around a season. What about you, Marge? I'm the weirdo that tends to read Christmas books in, July, in like summer. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> In July, when it's really hot outside, and yeah. I'm like, ooh, some snow would be so great right now. Mm-hmm. That's when I read the Christmas books. Never mm-hmm. around, around Christmas time. I, I just, I don't know. It's not one of my things. So we really just did this for the podcast. <laughs> Are you a seasonal reader, S? I, I want to say sometimes. Yeah. Um. This also was my first, like, Mary Jo Putney book. I've never read her before this. Oh, same. I actually liked her writing. I did too. I there wasn't really sex in this book though, so I was like, yeah. "Is this typical for her? Like, does she usually not have sex in her books, or is just just is it just because it's a novella and she just didn't really want to go there? Because sex scenes are hard to write. I'm not going to lie. So, oh, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> but you know what? I thought something was going to happen where where he's sitting down and he's he's petting the cat, 
And then all of a sudden he starts like touching her hair. He's, he looks down and she's like leaning oh, yeah, on him. That was yeah. strange. I thought I was like, oh, I really wanted happen. something like heated to happen then too. Like I was just like, I was ready for like, I don't know what. But wasn't it ridiculous how like I, I couldn't help but laugh how he's yeah, petting laugh. the cat and then like I can just imagine her like sort of crawling on like all fours <laughs> <laughs> to like replace the cat on the floor. I was like, girl, you weird. <laughs> and how yeah. how I guess she was really touch starved. Like that is like she the really definition was. of touch starved. I mean, but he how did she move so quickly and so quietly that he didn't hear? I don't know. And then he realizes it's her and he's just yeah. like, Okay, well, I'll just keep going. <laughs> like, I wish that he, like, continued going. But I feel like the whole idea of their romance was, like, it's, it was just, like, it was pure. You know? Like, yeah. I didn't... Yeah. I don't know. I just... I thought they were really sweet and, like, their conversations were cute. And, like, their scenes when they were touching were very, very, like, pure. Because he hasn't had physical touch of any type, you know, for over, I don't know, how many years. Yeah. And she's obviously his first. <laughs> yeah um but yeah i kind of wish we got a sex scene though i kind of i kind of do too i feel like it could have helped the book plus especially because they are so touch starved like i felt like they needed that Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. but we did get to see it happen but it did happen it's not like they don't have sex at all it's just we don't they do it's just see it yeah i mean like it's not explicit no, she does yeah, talk exactly. about it, and yeah. it does happen in the uh, the actual story, and, like, you know what's happening because of, obviously, like, the sentences and, like, things that were happening, but it's not explicit. Yeah. Do you girls know if they have, like, another book? They don't. I think they're just a Christmas story. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Although I am curious about um, her friend, Anna. It sounded to me like that was from another series. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought, too. The, the governess that turns out, like, she married her employer. Like, yeah, that mm. definitely sounds like a book somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. What did you guys think of the fact that he kind of sends her away and she goes and then she mm. comes back and, like, ta-da! <laughs> like, happy ever after. I did think she left a little too easily, but at the same time... So what had happened was, in case, you know, you're unaware... <laughs> um she was walking the halls and she ended up in the library and then she sees like the sight of white and she gasps and our man james thinks that she had seen him and reacted to his ghastly you know look um she calls it in her head she's like i saw a skull like that is she's like i thought i saw a ghost (laughs) i was like he's that fearful looking (laughs) yeah Um, and anyways, so then he takes it that she will never find, like, never like him that way, never crave for him in that way. And so he sends her away to Mm -hmm. Anna for, um, it was supposed to be just, it was supposed to just be a week or two. And then it ended up being months and months. At least I think two months had passed. Um, yeah. So to be away. Yeah. I thought she left too easy. But I can, I can kind of understand her reasoning in the sense that she says, Oh, maybe if I, like, he wants me to go away. So, like, maybe if I do, I don't know, like, he'll realize that he misses me or it will give him some time to think about it or something. Yeah. And also, I think she's all, she was also going off of um, what he's told her and what he's shown. Like, I honestly, I believed her when she said that she didn't think that he felt the same way. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I could see why she left as quickly as she did and like as easily as she did. But I kind of wanted it to be like um like a bit of like a conflict where like maybe she would have called like I don't know, like called him a coward or something because like he was running away without even mm-hmm. confronting. Um instead of running away, he was retreating and he was sending her away. But I feel like this kind of cuz obviously this book, I don't know about you guys, but this book kind of reminded me of both uh, the Duchess deal and yes. the Beast of Bezig, just because it's a similar-ish plot. And in both of those books, there's a scene where the girl wants to go somewhere and the guy is like, I absolutely can't because that means showing myself to society and I refuse to do that. And then eventually they always do it, like they actually go because that's mm-hmm. like them overcoming that and actually saying like hey you matter more to me and i want to be with you more than whatever these people might say about me yeah in this case i was like so i was expecting him to join her i was as well but he never did and so the story kind of ended with him showing himself to her revealing himself to her but not to the rest of the world i feel like and that was sort of missing for me mm-hmm. uh yes I agree I felt like he should have like found a way into society I don't know but I also think the story was very personal like it was a very personal story about two people who mm-hmm. grow to love each other despite no she never really calls him handsome because he isn't honestly wasn't mm-hmm. um, girl she says she says and i was like oh boy she she says he looks like lincoln <laughs> i was like oh boy, that is not a pretty man <laughs> jesus <laughs> that's true but i mean like th- but that's the thing i think it's like it was more of like it was a private story and i think later on she could maybe talk him into exposing himself to other people but then like other people's opinions don't matter the people who love you and care for you their opinions matter and I think that's what this book was like trying to show you um but yeah I don't know I I like that you say that though I like that you say it was more of a private story because you know usually in romance novels you have like the inner conflict of like the couple themselves but you also always have like an outside conflict that sort of uh, creates trouble with between the two people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And since there wasn't that in this book, it did kind of feel like more it's just the two of them mm-hmm. working things out and like I guess falling in love at first sight and whatever. So Yeah. Yeah. Because like even the servants and the butler, like usually in stories like these, they are big parts of the story. Yeah. And in this one they weren't really they were just more like in the background. There just weren't really any other characters. I mean, they did, they did care, like, the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because she did come back. Yeah. I like the fact that she did come back and kind of, like, put her foot down, like, no, like, I'm staying. Yeah. And, like, kind of told... And, like, made it known to, like, the... the Who was it? One of the... Um, Wasn't it one the, of the workers. horse guy? <laughs> the oh. stable man or whatever that said, like, oh, we yes, were, yes. were afraid you're going to hurt him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they were upset. I think one of them was upset. And, like, you, you know, you left for so long. But, like, that was, like, a misunderstanding that... Yeah. yeah. I mean, they didn't know what was going on. She didn't know what was going on. And he didn't know what was going on, you know? I felt like that. But, like, can we talk about, how like, how lonely James is and will forever be? I like, know. he doesn't even have friends. All he now has is, yes, Ariel. But 
he has no one. He doesn't even confide in, like, his stableman or, like, anyone. But it was cute, though, how there was this one scene where, because, like, slowly she's meeting all the animals that he's that he has yes. because he takes in, like, animals that no one else wants, which is, like, clearly a metaphor for himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, she says something about that. She's like, oh, like, you take in people because of what happened to you. But then, and she sees how that hurts him. Because he thinks she's talking about him, but, in, but oh, she's actually yes, talking yes. about her. Yes. So I was like, oh, that's cute. Like, they're kind of drawing parallels between each other. <laughs> yeah. I think they had really good conversations. And I think his inner dialogue was really good. Like, I have this one quote that I, like, I honestly resonated with. Um, it was when he was talking about, like, at the beginning of the story, when he was just talking about, like, what he had um, and what he obviously didn't have. Um, and then, so basically he talks about like, in terms of his loneliness, he was like, if he was lonely, it was no more than he had expected. Books had been invented to solve human loneliness and they were friends without peer, friends who never sneered or flinched or laughed behind a man's back. Books revealed their treasures to all who took the effort to seek. And I'm like, yes, this quote really resonates with readers, with like bookworms, like people that honestly read books all the time. I feel like it does resonate because, yeah, books have the power to whisk you away and for you not to feel so alone in certain times. They do. Yeah. So, yeah, I just love the dialogue in this book. And also just when you feel like no one else understands you, oftentimes you get to read about people that you feel are like you. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like not only just friends, but it's friends that are actually like you. And so you relate to them. You get yeah. to find people that to relate to. Um, so one of the quotes that I thought was really interesting for a completely different reason okay. was in the beginning, he's talking about this teacher person, priest. Oh, I mean, yes. Like his whatever asshole, the teacher, he was, tutor. Yeah, the asshole man who kind of raised him. Um, yeah. And this man, who is horrible and says horrible things and said horrible things about James, poor guy, who that, like, really marked him. But I know. I thought it kind of rang. They had, like, a, a bit of truth to it. Okay, so I'll read the I quote. think I know which quote you're talking about, but yeah. <laughs> the quote is, Most men carry their ugliness in their soul where they could too easily forget their basic wickedness. And I was like, yeah. this is coming from, like, this, obviously he's saying that about James, which is, like, absolutely horrible and not yeah. right. However, I was like, this is kind of true, though. Like, you know how the worst men, like, think of serial killers, for example. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. they're the most charming, popular people. Yes. Ted, Ted Bundy right there. Yeah, yeah. Like yes. very and charming, then, like, very... this is, for a lot of people, this is the appeal of the villain. It's like, the mm-hmm. villain is not hiding who he is. He's wicked, and he's showing it. And so it's, like, comforting in a weird way, because you know mm-hmm. what you're getting with this person. Whereas yeah. true villains oftentimes hide that behind a persona of, like, you know, like, they're just super charming, and and, yeah. and just, I don't know, like, it's, I just, I thought that was so weirdly true but I also feel like that relates to our society and like humanity in general I think we tend to be so fake and like Mm. hiding behind you know like a pretty smile or like a pretty picture posted on Instagram Mm -hmm. or like we just hide behind fakeness 
And like our true self is hidden and it could be a nasty personality. It could be a great personality. We just hide who we are and we hide our bad, our, like our flaws. We just, we do that as, you know, humans. That's just what we do. Um, so yeah, I think it's just like relatable. Which is also the appeal of the monster as far as like what we talk about, because in the sense that's revealing those flaws and that wickedness inside of you and asking someone to still love you despite the fact that you have that, you know, yeah. that you're like this. So, yeah, I just thought that was a really interesting, truthful quote from a very horrible person. <laughs> I know. Seriously. Like, poor James, because, like, following this, the teacher man, whatever he was, he's like, oh, but for you, James, you're, you're, you're lucky because your ugliness is actually on the outside. Oh <laughs> like this piece of shit. Yeah. And then the poor guy went like his whole life walking yeah. around with like a cloak. <laughs> I know he was like, must've been the accident happened. When he was eight. Yeah. Um, so he must've been no, like not much older than that. Uh-huh. It's so sad. Yeah. Anyways, let's talk about his, like, his look. We never really talked about what made him, quote-unquote, ugly. Yeah. Well, I mean, besides looking like Lincoln, which <laughs> one would argue is not the greatest look. <laughs> but I think he mentioned, too, that he was ugly before. Yeah. But then, but, then there yeah. was the accident that happened that just kind of... Like, I think him. what he meant was he wasn't a cute kid. I mean, when she sees her his bone structure, she's like, yeah, I can see why that on a kid would not look great. <laughs> yeah, and then he, so basically what happened, um, he lost his hair because he had brain fever. Yeah. And it just never grew back. Um, so he was a bald child. Like, all, as soon as she said that, all I'm picturing is, like, Aang from The, the Last Airbender. <laughs> I was picturing, like, a hot man that's bald you know like big dick energy but then she said he looked like lincoln and i was like bitch you just ruined that image <laughs> i was i was like oh okay i could dig it maybe like a jason Imagine Statham, lincoln you know? bald. like it's Not just lincoln, it makes though. it worse yeah. <laughs> and then she has to follow up with "Ooh, yeah like abraham lincoln yeah. i'm like girl you just killed your own husband but then he also has like burn scars yes. all over his um, body yeah, he was trying to save his mom, who had already passed, um, in a fire. Yeah. That's so sad. And then, like, his whole arms were scarred. And then, like, yeah. what was it? Embers had, like, flicked up and, like, burnt his face and all of that. How sad, though. He yeah. he tried helping his mom. I remember, uh, right? He tried helping his mom. Yeah. They always the, get yeah. hurt trying to do good. <laughs> and then it ruins them quote-unquote ruins them there is obviously doesn't but you know they think it ruins them for the rest of their life but in eyes of society he is considered ruined yeah like it, and it's so disgusting because like you said he was doing something good but he also was a freaking child like what the hell he was eight years old trying to pull his grown-ass mother out of a burning house and then he gets shunned from society and his own father can't even bear to look at him mm -hmm. like how depressing is that mm -hmm. yeah i was on um lip watch <laughs> because on what because this is something that because when we did the beast of Bezik episode we were like oh of course he has the mm. best lips and the best ass and then in the duchess deal of course he had the best ass and in this one yeah. we didn't get to see ass but we didn't get to see ass or lips i'm pretty sure she does mention he has great lips 
despite everything else. I'm like, what is this thing? <laughs> like, you're scarred. You don't have any body hair left, but like, you have the greatest <laughs> lips. Like, he has to. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, I wish we got more. I wanted to see more of him yeah. uncovered. Yeah. Because I, like the I just, picture I, I, wasn't that clear. Yeah, exactly. I don't really know what deformities <laughs> he had. What? Because I'm just thinking, like, she literally talks about everything besides his lower region. And we're like, I wish we could have seen more. Yeah. <laughs> like, the picture wasn't clear in my head. It wasn't. I'm sorry. I needed it all. Like, how far did the burns go? What <laughs> happens? Like, in general, like, oh, we got how how time. was it? You know. <sighs> Anyways, this is our Christmas book. <laughs> Let's talk about the actual event. How was the Christmas? Did you guys enjoy that scene at least? I mean, it was cute. Yeah. Because I, I remember looking down at the timestamp and I was like, yes. Christmas is happening now and there was like five minutes left in the book. Exactly. It was five. Like, I think I looked down and it was like six minutes and 22 seconds. Yeah. And I'm like. And I was like, how are we going to fit in a sex scene here? And then obviously yeah. she didn't really. No so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Me being me. I was thinking about long term and I was like, realistically speaking, how is this going to work? I just feel like all they have are each other. And I guess that is enough. But it's like, do we like, do we converse with any other people? Well, but that that's kind of my question of like, because we don't get to see him actually go out into society and like, you know, regain some confidence. We're not we're not sure that he's ever going to do it. And so you're like, well, the people that you know now, at least as far as the the book goes, are the people that you'll know your entire life and that's it. True. But, I mean, I don't want to, like, go in circles again. But <laughs> I feel like I'm just going to say the same thing again. But, yeah, I just feel like it'll, it could happen later on, like, gradually. Sure. Like, Ariel was the first person he'd shown his face to mm-hmm. in years. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I mean, I would like to know. I think if she decided to revisit this world, um, the author, maybe like she can give us some sort of like tidbit as to like how are James and Ariel, like maybe they ended up at like a social gathering with Anna and her friends, you know? I don't know. I don't know. I am curious about that though. Let's let's say that she did give us all that in this one. You don't think it would have affected like um, the story? Like, how you felt about it? You don't think it would have uh, felt, like, rushed? Or kind of, like, yes. like, all so of like a sudden, like... Still being a novella, you mean? Yeah, just maybe a little bit longer, but giving us that extra... Oh, okay. It might have been. Like, maybe it's more realistic that it's not in this book. I do feel like usually novellas only focus on the couple. Like, usually. Like, I don't really yeah. come across any novellas that, like, have external, you know, people or, like, secondary characters... Um, so that's why I feel like as a novella, it works. But if we are, as readers, looking for other things, then we should be going to look for an actual novel. Um, yeah. Like, now that I think about it, in a way, in, the in say, The Duchess Deal and The Beast of Bezik, the men finally go out into society in mm-hmm. part because 
they are ready to make that move. But I also think in part because it's brought on by love. Like it's Mm -hmm. mostly just because there's this woman that they want. Whereas I feel like if anything in this book, if he ever did, it'd truly be because he wants it. Because now he has the girl. They're exactly. happy. That, like, that's no longer a thing in the equation. Like, it's just he would do it for himself. So I, I guess in that sense, it's kind of better, question mark? No, I actually, I, I honestly agree with that. And I, like you said, Beast of Bezik and the Duchess Deal, both of them, both male characters went out into society as, like, displays of affection. Like, it was an act of love that drove them out there. It was, like, the grand gesture to show Exactly. Exactly. Whereas in this one, if he did decide to, like you said, it would purely be because he deemed it worthy. Like, it was something that he (laughs) should do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like you said. And so I think I like that idea a lot more. And I, like, I wish that for him. And, like, I'm acting like he's a real person for it. But, like, I wish that he would do that, you know? Like, I want that for him because he isn't, like, he's not ugly. Like, he's not a monster. And it, like... I mean, they never are, though. Isn't I that know. the whole thing? Like, that's the point. No, I know. <laughs> but it just sucks. I hate I hate it. I hate, what, yeah. like, that he saw him that, like, saw himself that way because of, yeah. like, his childhood being that way. And, like, because of all these people when he was a child, you know, told him he was ugly and hideous and, like... Yeah. But I think one thing that this book did mention or touch upon very briefly, obviously, didn't go into detail on anything because it's a novella. But um, one thing that this book did talk about that the others, I don't think, did. And I have a quote for this. It's Mm -hmm. because Ariel is considered very beautiful. And so, yes, I believe it's her that says to be beauty is to be a thing. You more than anyone would understand that. And she's saying that to James, but it's also about herself. Because whether you're ugly or beautiful, and obviously both of those things are, you know, subjective. um, Mm -hmm. But whether you're beautiful or ugly, it makes you sort of an object. You're you're kind of... People judge you based on that, mostly. Beautiful people are used. Ugly people are rejected. Um, so I yeah. liked how it kind of did talk about that, how it's not just being ugly, quote unquote ugly, that mm-hmm. makes you a thing in the eyes of society. It's also mm-hmm. being beautiful that does. I thought that was really important to include as well in this story. And I really liked that it was discussed. Like, I just felt yeah. like it was a good point to have. Like, and, and her father understood that because he was going to sell her off to some abusive husband. Yeah, that killed, like, his wives, and he's also, like, pushing 70. So what do you think the monster of the story was? For me, it was, like, the perception, like, one's perception of others. James was, like, so certain that Ariel would be repulsed by him, and he never really, like, gave her a chance. Like I said, he sent her away, but, like, as soon as it got a bit tough for them. So, yeah, I just, like, for me, I think it's, like, the perception, but, like, Ariel from the get-go was like, nah, I want to be with my husband. Like, I want to know him. I want to spend time with him. I want to see what he looks like. Um, but also, I found him curious. I don't know. That's why I kind of need your input on this. Um, early on, when he's, like, reflecting on, like, his early life, he also talked about, like, um, sleeping with prostitutes and, like, how they 
like there was a few I think he said or even just one who really enjoyed his company and like did not fear him or like did not look at him with disgust do you think that it was like because they were being paid they felt like they had to act that way or do you think he wasn't as ugly as the world perceived him I took it as he wasn't as ugly as he thought he was that's what I thought as well I don't know because prostitutes I mean they're getting paid and regardless of yeah you know (laughs) true and I mean like depending on how much you get paid I mean you could become the best actor in the world I guess yeah you could but also they kind of probably see so many men that if they say anything or act a certain way like give you a little bit more than they would someone else does that mean they find you attractive when it comes down to money when it comes down to i mean anything is possible i feel like well i mean he probably thought that right like he 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 probably thought that they were just saying that because he was paying them yeah but i want to look at it the other way like maybe she didn't find him as bad let's be hopeful let's be yeah let's be hopeful that it just wasn't as bad keep, as he thought keep the hope Seth. <laughs> yeah i it's will you know what s miss debbie downer i will <laughs> keep the hope um i think i think you kind of touch upon it but also how rejection like, you're so afraid of being rejected that you push away any sort of love or affection that you could get, in part because yeah. you think it's impossible, but also because you don't really know how you would react if someone did care for you and what that would mean. And probably also what, like, perhaps if someone starts loving you, then you think, maybe I should start loving myself, and that's scary yes. in itself. I agree. You know, like, perhaps there's something worth loving in me and to go off of like what you're saying now um i looked at um loneliness or like the comfort you find in loneliness to be another monster um because both ariel and falconer were safe and content in their own company but as time went on they both like ached for more and wanted more um but they still tried to stay in their own bubble because like you said for fear of rejection well for her, it's not necessarily fear of rejection. I think she was just really comfortable and, and thought this was what she wanted, which in part it was, but she realized she was kind of left dissatisfied. Um, but then also before she leaves, she re- like her mind kind of, I guess, went to maybe that James didn't want her the way that she wanted him. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. So, I mean... Yeah. What I'm getting at, like, for this whole idea, like, the comfort of loneliness, like, everyone could get comfortable in their own company and not venture out and seek companionship, and that's fine. Like, that's a totally, like, that's totally fine. Like, you can be comfort- comfortable with your own self. But if it comes, like, when it becomes a security blanket, like it was for James, then that's the problem. Because you need to, it cannot be a security blanket. One, you can hold close to you in fear of getting hurt. And, like... It's like, that's when it becomes a problem because, yeah. I also think, I don't even know if loneliness is really a security blanket as much as it is an invisibility blanket for some people. True. Like, you're just very happy being invisible to people. Mm -hmm. Because life hurts you, people have hurt you, and so you prefer loneliness because it means no one sees you. And when people do start seeing you, that's scary yeah and you also can't get hurt by others if you decide to be by yourself that's true 
So I think that was also a monster in the story. And obviously, like, we've talked about this at length before, but just society in general and how we perceive people and how, um, how, you know, people do good things and we just choose to see the appearances as opposed to the actions that they have done. And that's like a running theme, I think, in these types of stories. And I also feel like it's relatable to even society today. Like, people look at, like, the bad things that you've done instead of, like, the good things. And it's just, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's a... But it's also kind of how... It's kind of how we're wired as human beings. Like, they say that you... You have, like, you you have an impression of someone within 15 seconds of meeting them. They haven't spoken yet. Mm-hmm. Just by looking at them, you have an impression of them. You have, you've made up your mind about whether or not you like them, what you think of them, what you think of their appearance, etc. Like, it's just, it's insane to me. 15 seconds, like, <laughs> I, like I just think of that and I get stressed out. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, and then, and then I think it's, it takes eight meetings after that to change your like the opinion that someone has of you eight meetings that's really interesting now I'm trying to think of like the first time I talked to either of you yeah and now I'm just trying to think I remember I was scared (laughs) of s for sure so annoying uh absolutely horrible couldn't like couldn't wait to stop talking to you (laughs) you know what let's just end this right now then No, but, like, it just, all of this to say that it really does, like, we really do, appearances count more than actions is what I'm trying to get at, I guess. Unfortunately. And that's what happened to our poor James. Yeah. And also what happened to Ariel. Would you guys read more by Mary Jo Putney? I would. Yeah. For I sure. would as well. You, you I really liked her writing. You would? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Really? I'd want to read a full novel from her just to kind of get... Yeah. What about you, Seth? Would you? I would read more, yes. I did enjoy her writing a lot. I'm just curious to know if she does sex scenes. Not that it's like, um, it would stop me from reading. I just, I would like to know. It was really (laughs) easy to read. I like it. Yeah, I agree. Would you want to switch places with any of the characters? Um, not necessarily. I do like his library, though. (laughs) I really do, and I kind of. Why I kinda... are you literally Bell personified? Like, ooh, I like this man's library, though. <laughs> <laughs> you made that sound so dirty, but yeah, I that's. I mean, that's his selling point. Oh, but he's also a great guy. I just don't know. I just think it'd be boring. Be a boring life. <laughs> I feel like the countryside and like the pastoral countryside seems nice but I also think if I was in that era I would prefer being like a part of the London town just me too the drama (laughs) exactly it's like I would be (laughs) missing I'm someone that likes to know you know see the drama so I would (laughs) need to be living in London so I need to convince my man James over here to get into London society what about you S no no, just a flat out no. Just no. <laughs> Not, Not even for this, this man's library. No. <laughs> he has a big one. It's very big and very, very, very full. What a naughty one, so. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like the library for you is like the equivalent of when I ask, "Is he rich though?" 
that's well, we know James is rich. <laughs> that's not even a question. It's a library, okay? Yeah. But they all have amazing libraries. Hey, Noah in the notebook had to build her a house. All I'm asking for is my man to build me a library. I'm not asking for much. <laughs> it needs to be filled with books too, though. All right. Are we done? Did we actually manage it? A short episode? Uh, I don't know. Let's check. Um, Kind of. Yes. Yes, we did. Wow. I'm actually proud of us. Like, this is a novella, but honestly, I wouldn't put it past us to like talk about a novella for two hours so I'm really proud of us <laughs> yeah I was literally gonna be like oh um so are we ranking the men and I'm like wait there's only one man <laughs> <laughs> um I mean James and then the falconer and then the beast of Beltaire <laughs> that's okay, my okay. list <laughs> but I think mine might be reversed because I like the whole like you know beastly thing mysterious mm-hmm. man beneath the cloak the cloak <laughs> can you guys imagine a hot sex scene with him under the cloak and you not knowing anything besides, you know, his hands and other things. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I right? Yeah. But I kind of yeah. wanted a scene Sign me like up that. For that. Is this a is this a um, Beast of Belter fan fiction that we're writing on this? <laughs> well, you know, I write them now. <laughs> this is it for this episode of Romancing the Monsters on. The Black Beast of Beltair by Mary Jo Putney. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, next week, no, no, next week, there's nothing next week, actually. But <laughs> next episode will be a Bridgerton episode, and we are very excited for that. I am, anyway. I don't know about my co-hosts. but I'm Oh, I am very excited. Yeah. I am very excited. Did you, did you actually watch the scenes? Yes, I did. I did. Call me by your name. No, call me by my name. <laughs> oh, I know. That is one of my favorite tropes Trope. ever. In historical, like historical romance. romances. When they start yes. calling each other by their given, yeah. like their Christian given name. And I'm like, yes. Yes. Because it's like a statement. It's like, I actually am into you because now I'm saying your name. Or yeah. sometimes it's hot when like someone refuses to call someone by their name because okay. they're mad or whatever. Okay, guys, you Anyways. don't need to include in the episode, okay? <laughs> Not at all. But the show I'm watching right now, the one with no subtitles, yeah. Imanit, yeah. the guy with the nice la- eyelashes. Yeah. They haven't said each other's names yet, uh-huh. and I'm living for it's it. It's been like 400 episodes. Shut up! Real. No, no, no. But like, <laughs> you have to think about like their romance happening gradually. Like, only right now are we on good terms. Like, he's literally like his face lights up when he sees her. The name is gonna come soon, guys. Has he I smiled yet? Has he smiled yet? Um, he smiles with his eyes. I, I, uh, I don't see him ever <laughs> fully smiling. He's had a tough life, guys. Chillax. I, I don't like, see him I feel smile. like, no offense, but I feel like both of them have kind of the same ex- facial expression a lot of the time. She's like, she has that, like, slightly scared look. Yeah. And he has, like, that, that, like, dark, you know. Okay, you know what? Tortured look. But, like, literally last episode, guys, his face, like, you have to watch him. He's so good at acting. Like, his face just, like, fills with warmth and his eyes just smile. And it's like, it's subtle, but like, you know that he's so happy right now. It's so good. Anyways, end scene, continue. <laughs> All to say so that I love that they're not saying each other's names. And when we get to it, yeah. it'll be great. But anyways, continue on. 
So, all this to say that next episode <laughs> will be our Bridgerton episode, and then following that we will have our Best of 2020 episode. Um, so you have that to look forward to. And you can find us on social media. <laughs> remember our outro um you can find us on social media on instagram at uh, the no at romancing the monsters podcast oh my God, why am i forgetting everything it's been two weeks know. this is why <laughs> it's been a while yeah yeah so at romancing the monsters podcast on instagram or the rtm pod on twitter and you can also find me at foes and lovers on both twitter and instagram and you can find me as on both Twitter and Instagram at but this book, and you can find me Seth on both Instagram and Twitter at Pros with Woes. And that's it. Happy holidays, guys! Oh my God, that's right. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.